morning. I'm going to beat Randy to it this morning, so on a few announcements. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and start this morning. Uh, just a couple things. There is going to be a meeting after church. Uh, we have finger foods available for those that are going to participate in the harvest, uh, the trunk or treat that we have coming up in uh, on uh, October 31st. So if you'd like to stay with uh, for that, I don't think it's going to be that long. What about an, what, an hour maybe? So, And then also uh, there is a safety meeting September 23rd. My friend Bobby Zygmunt, who uh, is a Tulsa police officer, he does security for uh, a Life Church. He's been a police officer for uh, 13 years now. He's going to be doing a safety meeting here on September 23rd from 9 a.m. to 1 o'clock. So if you're interested in being part of our safety team, um, and uh, we have to use the word safety because of liability things. Unless you're a licensed security officer, you got to use the word safety. So, But that's part of the, the, the team that uh, sits out here. And I want to say thank you to all those that are on the safety team that sit out there and keep... Tr- Keep us safe. Also, I am, I've got a baptismal sign-up sheet. We've had several get saved, and so there is a baptismal sign-up sheet out in the foyer and so that we can set up a time to baptize. If you haven't been baptized and you want to get baptized, it's also out there. So, all right. Um, and then a couple other things. Don't forget about our kickoff August 30th for the kids' ministry. It's on Wednesday, and that is, again, August 30th. And it's also for Sunday mornings at 1030 for, uh, for Children's Church. Okay, Randy. Okay. Uh, some of these may be duplicates because we just duplicate a lot of stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sunday morning, 1030 service, Wednesday at 7 for the kids and in here. Now, uh, on your backup, I mean, okay, on the back of your bulletin, there's one spot there that says we need people to help volunteer to feed the kids on Wednesday. We usually start that at 6 o'clock, and Kim is real good about calling you and letting you know how many people are going to be here, and you can fix anything from Frito pie to four-course meal. It's up to you. Uh, But we're feeding them, and we're trying to grow the youth, and that's one way to do it is to get them in here. Um, September 16th in the Fellowship Hall. This is our next men's breakfast. I'm going to go ahead and tell you about yesterday's men's breakfast. We had a great group yesterday, and 10 of us went to skeet shoot after we had breakfast. Now, listen, some of these guys hit nearly everything they shot at. Some of them didn't hit a dang thing. <laughs> How does that happen? I'm not even sure he hit the dirt. <laughs> but i got to tell you, I did not miss one time. So, but now then, I'll tell you the rest of the story real fast. I didn't miss because I didn't shoot. <laughs> so that, that makes me, uh, what I'm doing is I'm saving ammo <laughs> because I'm going to be like pastor. I'd be, I'd be shooting out there and it's going to be hitting the trees, hitting the dirt or whatever. But anyway, I just thought, thought I'd throw that out there. That I did not miss. There's a couple of others that didn't miss either. So, but if you guys want to come have a great time, we had a great time out there shooting and, and knocking them clay pigeons out of there. So, um, our fall festival is going to be August the 20th after, it's a meeting. Okay, that's a meeting. Okay. okay. Um, we have a, a deal coming August the 30th called Bible Quest Crewmates for Christ Kickoff, and that's kids' ministry kickoff. And I will mention, too, that we have a sign-up sheet, I believe, out front for people that want to help teach kids because we're going to start getting kids in here, and we're going to need a teacher in advance. 
We don't want to wait till we get a kid and then say, well, you want to teach, you want to teach, you want to teach. We want to have somebody lined up already for when they get, when they get ready. Um, heart to Heart, September 19th at 6. Um, that's already passed, hasn't it? Oh, September, September, okay. I'm, I'm thinking, hey, you know, I tell you. I, uh, I am from Texas. Okay, uh, guest speaker, Leon Hart, will be singing with special guest speaker, uh, Hattie Lou Brooks. Um, August 26th at 12, potluck and games in a fellowship hall. Um, did you mention a missionary coming? Okay, okay. Uh, I will turn that back over to him. Uh, two more things. One, in the inside of your bulletin, we still have the prayer list. Please check that out. That's a faith list. They put their name on that list in faith that we're going to pray for them and that they're going to be healed. So that's a faith list. Um, then another thing is on the back, we need volunteers for all of these programs that are here. Plus, I mean, we need, we got things that we need to have done. Like if somebody's not here, call them. We need somebody to call somebody and see if they're here or not and, and check on them, see if they're well or if they need help. And just things like that. Ministry is anything you want to do to help. And it's wide open for, you just name it. So, But, I mean, I don't want to get into all that because everybody's got their own opinion on what is and what isn't. But that's all of what I have. But Pastor has another one or two. You speak loud enough? I speak loud enough, yeah. <laughs> A couple things I forgot to mention is uh, that we have background checks that uh, uh, the information for that, and then I was going to mention something else that you wanted me to mention. Yes, the missionary. Thank you. I've, you ever take uh, have a uh, allergy headaches? That's what I got this morning. So thankfully, that aspirin that uh, Kate gave me kicks in pretty quick. So um, just uh, just a couple other things. Chris Hale, he's a missionary. He's he's uh, planning a church in Liverpool, England. He's going to be here on uh, September 17th, I believe, is what it says in the bulletin. And so I'm excited to have him. And hey, we need to support our missionaries. Uh, what they do is they go and they pre preach the gospel. Jesus says go into all the nations, right? right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A couple other things. We need to pray for um, Jacqueline tonight, uh, Carrie's daughter, or uh, today, not tonight, today. And we need to pray for her. And I'm going to keep that unspoken, but it, should I keep that unspoken? Um, you know, God knows the needs of our heart, but it's a physical thing. So we need to pray for it. And it's a serious situation. So I want to pray for that and what's on the list here this morning. So would you please bow your head as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we lift up Jacqueline to you this morning. There is no distance in the spirit. Father, you said if two or more agree in your name, it shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to touch that young lady's life right now. I pray touch her, Father, and heal her body from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. Let her sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. You are the God that heals, and there is power in the name of Jesus. We lift up every prayer request on this list, including my sister that we prayed for this morning, that, Lord, that fire near Spokane is only five miles from her house. God, I pray that there is a supernatural move of your Holy Spirit on every person on this list, including my sister's house. That, Lord, you said in Psalm 91 that you have encamped your angels around us so that we would not strike our foot against the stone. Again, Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us and that, Lord, when we call to you, you will answer and teach us great and unsearchable things that we do not yet know. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, 
Amen. Okay, Ron, you guys come on. Just one little bit of information, just just for information. Uh, everybody knows that we're going to recarpet the auditorium and everything, and it's been ordered. And I I hear questions once in a while. Well, when are we going to do that? Well, we're going to do that when we get the carpet. They didn't have it on stock. You know, they had to order it. It's a lot of carpet. And then we'll have to coordinate with the guy that's going to put it in and uh, 49 people to move all the pews in and out, <laughs> or at least that many probably. But anyhow, um, so it's progressing just kind of slow, and I know everybody would like to see more progress, but we can only do what we can do. And it's, it's coming, and just so you'll know, information-wise. Brother Ron, pray for offering, please. Okay, you guys go ahead and get stood up. We're going to start singing, and then we're going to collect your offering. I'm glad he started doing that, so I don't have to tell y'all to get up. Hallelujah. Just play that again, guys. Holy worship, Lord. Are you ready to worship this morning? Have you come into the house ready to worship? Father, we just thank you this morning for your presence in this place, God. Father, we just give you free reign over this sanctuary, over the lives of our families, God, over the lives that are represented through the families that are here, Father. We just pray that you have your way, God. Have your way in this service, Lord, as we sing praises to your holy name. You are. 
that you lay before us, God. Change our hearts this morning, God, to be more receptive of your presence, God. Father, open our ears this morning. Father, soften our hearts, Lord. Soften our minds, God, to hear that sweet, 
whisper, Father, or to feel that gentle touch, God, on our hearts, Lord. Father, we just ask that you just take over, God. Take over our thoughts this morning. Father, we pray that you would ease our minds, God. Father, just let that wind of your spirit blow, God, through this sanctuary.
got to this song, when we had that stillness in between that, the Lord kept laying this on my heart this morning for somebody that you've been questioning, does God really love me? You know, part of God's holiness is His love. And God is love is what it says in 1 John. And God loves you. When the, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Bible says that God raises up a banner. And that banner is love. You need to know that no matter what you're facing this morning, God has not forgotten you and He loves you. this morning will you sing that song again and we're going to invite you to if you're that if that's you and God's speaking to you this morning and, and you need to know that God loves you come down to the altar between you and the Lord come on I'll pray with you between you and the Father God loves you more than you can even comprehend or understand is what the scripture says
presence this morning we know Lord it doesn't stop even with the preaching of the word because you said your word would never pass away Lord you said your word would go out and accomplish what it was meant to do and it would not return back to you void Father we're reminded in John 1 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning that Jesus you are the word and so Father we pray that your word would penetrate our hearts this morning penetrate our minds the Lord with the with the with the power of the Holy Spirit and your word working together the Lord it would transform us and change us into the image of Christ father as we study your word this morning as we listen to it you said faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God Romans 10 17 I pray father that our faith would be built and we would be stronger this morning because of your word. The manna that came down from heaven, the bread of life, that's who you are. And we thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated this morning. Isn't God good? Can we give God a clap offering? Yeah. You'll find with me, I'd rather let the Holy Spirit move and work in people's lives. He can do so much more than I could in five minutes. So, uh, before we get started, I was told this morning, and I think this is true, and I'm supposed to dismiss the kids. Oh, the kids are dismissed. Um, is Is it his 94th birthday today? Guys, today is Lonnie Black's 94th birthday. Is that true? Can, can we sing happy birthday to him? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Well, I was... Uh, well, man, what a blessing. Lonnie, you've inspired us all this morning. And the love that he has for Jesus. I love listening to him speak. He's got a lot of things from God to share. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? That was a good, good beginning of a service, isn't it? Well, we're in the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 12 through 30. And I've titled the message, There Are No Accidents with God. Guys, you are not an accident. There are no accidents with God. God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. Even the things that we think are difficult, He has a plan for. So first, first, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, 
but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I, go, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know I will remain and I will continue with all of you for the progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ, Jesus, will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my presence or in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer him. Suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, as I've mentioned just a few minutes ago, Father, help us to, uh, to not only understand your word, but to put it into practice. Give us soft hearts to receive it this morning. Open up the eyes of our understanding. Give a new revelation of your word this morning. And as your, as your vessel... Lord, as the person that's a spokesperson for you, speak through me what you want to say, Holy Spirit. Help me get out of the way so that you can speak. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. You know, we've been going through the book of Philippians on a, on a series and called The Joy of Knowing Christ. And remember, we saw the picture of the prison, the maritime or maritime prison that Paul was in. And, and you know, I, I've done some more research on it, and the smell of uh, refuge was in that uh, prison. And I mean, I can imagine being uh, chained to a wall with hardly any light, with a little lamp, and with the smell of, of I'm, I'm not going to say the word, but you know what I mean, a sewage or sewer. And yet Paul, again, the theme of the book of Philippians is joy. You and I have joy in Christ. What we experienced a few minutes ago is just a little bit of what we're going to have when we get to heaven. And what is inside of you is the joy of the Lord. If you know Jesus, he is full of joy. That's the book of Philippians. And so Paul, again, is writing this while he's in prison. And, and a lot of times we think, well, my ministry's hindered or my life is hindered from what's going on, but God can take the things that the devil means for bad and make it for good. So there are no accidents with God. Paul's chains, I think it's working, there we go. Oh, Paul's chains were a result of God's work. Jesus showed Paul how much he should suffer for Christ. Let's go, hold your spot here, go with me to Acts 
chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verses 15 through 16. Look what it says here. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Paul's chains were a result of God's work, and Jesus showed Paul how much he would suffer. In fact, the Bible even says that you and I will suffer in this life. Jesus said, uh, you, will, you will have trouble in this life. I've shared that a couple times in the last few weeks, but you need to hear that again. Uh, life is not trouble-free. If it was trouble-free, we wouldn't have God to lean on. Right? God never promised us that we wouldn't have troubles in this life. But what he did promise is he would be with us through the trouble. He would go through us in the fire. How many of you guys know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? This is not in my notes this morning, but somebody needs to hear this. Look, when they came out of the fire, they didn't even smell like smoke. Because Jesus was in the midst of it with them. And it was heated up how many times? Seven times hotter. And yet God saved him through the fire. So God had showed Paul, look, you're going to suffer for my name. Jump over with me to Acts 21, verse, uh, verses 1 through 15. Acts 21, verses 1 through 15. I'm going to read from my Bible. I, I'll see if I can flip through here. But After we have torn, uh, torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to, to Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patera. Some of these Greek names, I, if I butcher them, I'm sorry. I'm not all that good. You know, I'm glad I don't name my kid Patara or something like that. <laughs> we found a ship crossing over Phoenicia, went on board and set sail after sighting uh, Cyprus and, and passing to the south of it. We sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyra where our ship was to unload its cargo. Finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. But when our time was up, we left and continued on our way. All the disciples and their wives and the children accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship and they, re and we, and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at a house uh, of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Let me stop there for a minute. This has nothing to do with our message this morning. But did you know prophecy is still of the New Testament? It's still for today. Maybe your child's called to prophesy. Maybe your child's called to do something else that you, you think that they should do what you're doing. But maybe God wants them to do something else. I don't know who that's for this morning, but that's for somebody. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt and tied, it on, uh, tied his own hands and feet with it and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we had the people, we and the people were ple there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. 
When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. After this, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. And I appreciate them for doing the, the, the notes, the scriptures for me. So Jesus showed Paul he would suffer. And remember, Jesus' plans are not a mistake. Paul's imprisonment helped to advance the gospel. Let's go back to Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Look what Paul says here. He says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to do what? To advance the gospel. Sometimes when we go through things, we don't think it's working out for our good. But God is using that not only to shape us into the image of his son, but God wants to use us for that very purpose. You know, when the disciples crossed the sea, on the other side of the sea, remember the storms came up, the squalls came up. On the other side of that sea was the demon-possessed man. Jesus had to go from one side to the other side because he knew what was on the other side. But the one that caused the storm was the enemy because it says Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. A lot of times when we're going through difficulties, sometimes it could be demonic. The enemy attacks. When you're doing something for God, he'll start attacking you. I don't know, but in the last couple of weeks, you know, last Sunday night, God, I think it was last Sunday night, God really moved in the Sunday service. I didn't even get a chance to preach. Sometimes those are the best services because God says, I want you to get out of the way so I can move. And, and, and people have been giving their lives to Jesus. That's the important thing. Satan doesn't like that. You become a target. So when the enemy comes in like a flood and he starts doing those things, you just begin to praise God, begin to lift up his name like Paul did because God's going to use it to advance the gospel. People are watching you. They're watching your life. So Paul's imprisonment helped to advance the gospel of Jesus. Look what David Gusick says in his commentary. God didn't waste Paul's time during the Roman imprisonment. God never wastes our time. Though we may waste it by not sensing God's purpose for our lives at that moment. God never wastes time. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever make time for God? God doesn't waste time, but do we waste his time? Do we waste his time? I was speaking with somebody the other day, and he was at, uh, it was at the place I got my hair cut at, and I'm not going to mention where it was at, because I remember this is a small town. Words get around real fast. So, but I was speaking with this lady, and, and, and this lady came up with all the excuses of why she, listen, church is important. The Bible says don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. Now, a relationship with Jesus is even more important. But she came up with all these excuses of why she wasn't to be in church. And I just mentioned to her, I said, you know, I, I put on a sheet of paper and I put a dot and I put a circle around that dot. And I said, we can do two things. We can put Jesus at the center and our plans on the outside. Or we could put our plans in the center and put Jesus on the outside. Where is Jesus in your life? Where is he in your plans? It all comes back to priority. God never wastes our time. 
God always has a better plan than we do. God always has a better plan than we do. And you ever plan something? Think, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And you get the stuff in your head, you know, and God comes in and says, I got a better plan. I've got something that's better for you. And we often think our plans are great plans until God changes them on us. And we think, God, what are you doing? Anybody ever do that? God, what's up with you? I'm just being honest. I've asked that question. Why, God? Why is it going this way? But then when we look back, we say, okay, now I understand why God was doing what he was doing. Psalm 37, 23, and 24 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. If you know Jesus, your steps are ordered by the Lord. Paul's steps were ordered by the Lord. Listen, we have this, we have most of the New Testament written because Paul was in that prison. Paul reached more people for Jesus tied to a wall by writing these letters than he ever would have by preaching the gospel. God can use you no matter what way or however you are. You may not be able to physically do what you used to be able to do, but God can still use you. How many of you guys know who Dwight L. Moody was? Anybody ever hear of Dwight L. Moody? They have the, the Bible Institute that's up there in Chicago. You know, Dwight L. Moody was a great evangelist and teacher. He only had an eighth grade level of reading at that school, if you know that. So for the times that I grammatically mess up here, just remember that. I went to college, and I don't think it did me any good. But <laughs> Dwight L. Moody, his Sunday school teacher, God, Dwight L. Moody was working at a, a shoe shop at the time, and he was going to church, and his Sunday school teacher, the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to go speak to this young man and lead him to Christ. And that Sunday school teacher thought, man, I don't want to bother him. I don't want to, what, what if he rejects me and... But he did what the Lord asked him. He started walking his way towards that store. And he led that young man to the Lord. And Dwight L. Moody, from Dwight L. Moody came great, five great evangelists. Yeah. Mordecai Ham, Billy Sunday. I can't remember the other one, but the last one was Billy Graham. Yeah. That Sunday school teacher led one man to the Lord. And out of that came five great evangelists that reached millions for Christ. One of which we know, Billy Graham, who just went home to be with the Lord. You are not an accident with God. God loves you and he's a plan for your life. And his plan for you is not over till you take your last breath. That's why Paul says later on, this is later on in the message, but he also says this, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. God has worked for all of us to do in the kingdom of God. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Your steps are ordered by the Lord, and when you stumble and you fall, get right back up, begin to praise the Lord, and he will give you strength. He will encourage you. He will send people your way to give you encouraging words. I'm so thankful that my daughter came down here this morning because when she spoke that this morning, 
that was for her. I know it was for other people, but the first thought was on my, and then she came forward. God dropped her in my heart. That's, that's for my little girl, and she came up. God knows what you're going through, and he's going to uphold you. You're going through difficult times. We all do. Some of our, and, and I don't understand what you're going through. When we lost our daughter, it seemed like nobody really understood. Every, every situation is unique. The only one that truly understands is God. God's the only one that truly understands what we're going through. But let me tell you this. He says right there, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. You need to hear that this morning. God's going to uphold you with his hand. That's a promise. Is that God's word? That's not my words. I'm just repeating what Jesus already said. That's one thing about preachers. We're kind of, you know, in a sentence, we're, we're plagiarism. We steal from God and share with everybody. We're just repeating what he said. We just don't get in trouble for it. Look what Proverbs 69 says. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord established their steps. One translation, many other plans of a man's heart, but the Lord determines his steps. You're making plans. Are you asking God about it? Is it God's will? You know, it was God's will for Paul to go to Jerusalem. Even though he was in the prison, he was full of joy because he was in the center of God's will. When you're in the center of God's will for your life, that's where joy comes. And it may be tough sometimes. It may not be easy, but if it's God's will, his anointing is there, he will see you through it, and he's going to use you. That's what that says. It's okay to make plans. We all make plans, right? But before you follow through with a plan, ask God, God, is this your will? Is this your plan for me? In fact, hold your spot. This is not in my notes. This is not on the over. Go with me to James, the book of James. Look with me in verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. James, chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Again, this is not in the overhead. So James, chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. James says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. So God says, before we do anything, we need to pray. Our life is but a mist. I mean, we don't know when our last breath is. I had a good friend up in... Longview and been pastoring in Lexington for a long time and always enjoyed his counsel sitting with him and you know pastors get together and we spend time together and talk about things and pray for each other and encourage each other and he had gone to a thing called revival on the water and people were getting healed my sister or not my sister I'm thinking of my sister's fire that's going on up there but my daughter got healed in her lower back she was born a premature she was six weeks early and uh, she had to get physical therapy even as a baby, and she could never touch her toes, and her back always hurt. 
It's my oldest daughter. We went to a revival on the water and she got healed. And uh, God uses whatever he wants to use. It's not the water that heals, it's God that heals. So if people are saying, well, that's not biblically correct. Listen, God can use anything. He used the donkey, right? So she, she gets healed and my friend had went to that. I don't know if he got healed. He was trying to get prayer for healing, but then COVID hit. And COVID took his life. And yet, he wasn't expecting it. He didn't know when it was going to happen. Life is short. we got to remember that God has placed us here for a plan and a purpose. And in Psalm 139, it says he knows the number of our days. It's written down in his book. We don't know when that is, but God does. So if you're making plans... Make sure it's God's will. Paul knew he was in the center of God's will because Agabus prophesied it. Jesus had spoken to him about it. We know that he was supposed to be in Jerusalem. He knew what the outcome would be, that he would die for Christ. But how many of us know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord? You know, I've done funerals for people that knew Jesus and I've done funerals for people that didn't know Jesus. The people that didn't know Jesus, it's somber, it's quiet. But the people that know Jesus, it's like a party. I'm serious, I did a service and it was like a worship service. And the joy and the laughter, there's a difference. So God's got a plan for you. And he wants to use you for his work. He used Paul. Let's go back to Philippians here. Verse 13, look what it says. As a result, it became clear that throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am chains for Christ. Hallelujah. He was in chains. Most of us would be going, oh no, what are you doing, God? But he was like, praise the Lord. The chains have furthered the gospel. They know I'm here for a reason. Do people know who you serve? Verse 14, because of my chains, most of the brothers of the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So what looked like a hindrance to Paul's work actually worked for the good. Again, I mentioned we have his letters today for that. Paul said that everyone, including the palace guard, knew he was chained for Jesus. Hey, let me ask you a question. You may not be chained for Jesus, but we're all under his lordship. So in a sense, we are chained to Jesus. Do people know you're chained to Jesus? Do they know that you serve him? Do you share Jesus with others? Why do I share that every Sunday? Because Jesus has given us a command to do it. The Great Commission. Go into all nations. Preach the good news, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And, and he says, preach good news. And doesn't make say make converts. He says, make disciples. And, you know, I don't call that just a, 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 something that he's giving us a kind of like a, a... Why is it when I get up here, sometimes my brain goes blank? <laughs> he's not just telling you in a, a nonchalant way, oh, if you feel like doing this. That is a command for every believer to share the gospel. 
The Bible says the Holy Spirit will give you words to speak. If you're not a speaker like me and you don't know what to say, God will give you the words. He will do it. Because it's the Holy Spirit working in you and through you. So the whole palace guard knew that he was chained for Jesus. Again, do others know that you serve Jesus? Paul's imprisonment also emboldened and encouraged his fellow believers to preach the gospel without fear and with great courage. If you do a study on church history, the church always began to shrink when there was no persecution. But when persecution began to rise up within, uh, within the ranks, within the church, the gospel spread. When persecution started in the early church, it, 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 what it did is it scattered the church abroad. That was God's plan. He permitted persecution so that they wouldn't just stay together, but they would go out and share the good news. So persecution always, always expands the gospel and the church grows. I want to remind you something. Persecution's coming to America. We've been protected for far too long. We get our feelings hurt when somebody says something bad about us because we know Jesus. But persecution is happening over in China and over in Iran and over in other countries, in Africa. I just read a story in India this morning that the Christians were completely ransacked in a town over there and they're all the way down to the light bulbs and had to flee for their lives. We haven't had to experience that yet. We better be prepared for that time because it's coming. Paul's incarceration had another effect. It encouraged those who had, not, who had been reluctant about speaking for Christ. Large numbers of believers became bold for Christ when they saw how God was spreading the gospel through Paul. The positive response Paul received in the face of opposition caused others to speak more courageously and fearlessly for Christ. Paul's confinement was doing what his circumstances outside of prison could never do. That's the Bible knowledge commentary. Did you hear that? God can use your circumstances to do more than you could ever think about. Don't ever think that what you're doing is insignificant to God. You may be somewhere at, you may be even in the store at Walmart. I always say Walmart because you know that's my favorite place to go. I have, you know, even up in Longview, I had church with people. I'd run into people from church and we'd talk about the Lord. We ran into Sandy, yeah, I think it was yesterday or the day before. and We had church, talked about things and the Lord. And Listen, God can use you even in Walmart. There was one time we were at Walmart up there. You know my stories. I go on rabbit trails. But we were at Walmart one time, and actually was, I wasn't there. My wife went, and there was a, a lady that worked there, and I'd been ministering to her. And uh, my wife was over in the, a section there, and, and uh, the lady that worked there, I'm not going to mention her name, she, uh, she was talking to my wife and helped my wife find some kind of medicine in the pharmacy section. And... Uh, they were talking, and all of a sudden, this lady starts describing, and listen, this is not about bragging. This is not about lifting me up. I want, you to, I want to make sure of that, okay? This is about me giving you an example that we need to be that way. 
So she starts explaining about how some guy had asked her to go to church and given her this card and all this stuff. And I'll follow you, my wife turns to her and says, that's my husband. <laughs> well, that opened up an opportunity that I didn't have. She starts spilling her beans to my wife. And my wife starts ministering to her. There are no accidents with God. God gives divine appointments. You know how many times God has done that with my wife and I? That he's, he's given us opportunities. She'll speak to somebody and I go in and I start talking. They're like, well, I just talked to somebody like that. I come to find out it was my wife. Guys, God makes no accidents. Brian Houston once said, people won't die for a vision, but they will die for a cause. I can give a vision all I want for what God wants to do here. And you're not going to die for it. But the cause of Christ, hopefully we will all die for it. Throughout, again, throughout church history, the church grew most under persecution. So don't look at your circumstances as a bad thing. Charles Stanley in his uh, study Bible says this, and I like it, and it's just, it, it, he's got these notes in the back, and I was reading this one time for my own life. I was going through some difficult times in the early 2000s, and uh, I was just, anybody ever get in a place where you self-pity party? It's me, myself, and I. You're thinking only about yourself and your problem, and people get tired of you talking about your problem all the time. And I, I remember <clears throat> driving and uh, remember going to, I, th I think I told you this before, but driving in a dump truck, just telling and spilling my beans to God. And I got to a Bible study that night that I attended with Oral Roberts, Oral Roberts University students. And I remember the guy that spoke that night changed it. And he said, he, was talking, he changed it to Lazarus when Lazarus came out. Remember I shared this with you. When he came out of the grave, he was clothed in grave clothes. And if you ever see a picture of that, go online. You can see that Lazarus' grave is still there today. And it's a small, he had to crawl out. I don't know how he did that. But it's a little cubby hole he had to crawl through to get out of his grave. But when he came out, he was still wrapped up in garment. And it took other people to unwrap him. Jesus said, unwrap him. God doesn't unwrap us until sometimes we start unwrapping other people. God can use, don't look at your circumstances as a bad thing. Ask God, God, what can I do in this trial to honor and bless you? How can I be your hands and feet to minister to others? And I guarantee you, that's the way God works. As you minister to others, God will begin to minister to you. Because God wants us to look not only to our own interests, but to the interests of others. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. And I don't know if I put it up here in the, in the scriptures. Well, I did. Look what it says. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts... Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. 
For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than doing for evil. So there you go. Did you, did you see that? You are blessed if you suffer for Christ. And if you hold his name, I, I've shared this scripture a couple times, but it just fit with this message, so I had to use it. And we should never get tired of hearing the same scripture from God. But you are blessed if you know Jesus. You're blessed if you share Jesus. God wants to bless you. That's why I share Jesus everywhere, because I want to be blessed. Hey, you want a blessed life? And these guys always write all these books about a blessed life. God's only told us what to do, right? The book of Revelation, I guarantee you, go read the book of Revelation. Did you know it says that you will be blessed if you read it? Why are Christians scared of it? You're not going to go through the tribulation. That book is, I don't know why I'm preaching on this for right now, but that is a motivational book to you and I to preach the gospel to our loved ones and friends to get saved so that they won't be left behind. Somebody needed to hear that. Maybe it was me. Paul's motivation was that Christ was to be preached. Let's go back to Philippians. Look in verse 15. Verses 15 through 17. He says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. Verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. So Paul's motivation was that Christ would be preached. So what were some of those false motives? Here they are, envy. Envy means I see something that somebody else has, and I will do whatever it takes to get what they have. You look at somebody else. The Bible says if you look at a woman lustfully, and that goes for men and women, then you've already committed your job. What you're doing is you're envying what belongs to somebody else. Somebody else has a nice house. You don't have what they have, and you begin to do what? Envy what they have. Or maybe they have a gifting that you don't have. And you begin to say, man, I wished I had that. And you begin to, you begin to uh, connive and Make your way and do whatever it can, you can to try to get that. The problem is, is if you're not gifted in it, it ain't going to work. If I got up here and tried to sing and do what Julie does, boy, you guys would all be going, I like to sing, but that's not my gifting. That's not what God called me to do. I've shared this before, even a few Sundays ago. Uh, you know, I am, I, I'm okay at mechanical things, but I'm not a mechanic. I, I'm okay at... Sometimes building things, but I'm not a builder. If I tried to build a house, it'd... no, I better not say it. I was going to say something, but better not. I was going to, yeah, I'll be shh, quiet. So envy. Then it talks about rivalry, jealousy. So we're in a study in the book of James on Sunday nights, and that was one of the biggest problems in the church was rivalry and jealousy. That they weren't getting what they wanted because they were asking with wrong motives and they weren't really seeking God's will for their life. Listen, when you begin to operate in the giftings that God's given you, you'll flourish in it. We started a, 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 
Aurora Rangers and Missionettes program up in Upton, Wyoming when I pastored up there. I, I, listen, I love to camp. I love to hunt. I like to fish, but I'm not good at that stuff. I tried to make a fire with a flint, and I couldn't make it. And this kid comes over and goes, let me show you, Pastor. <laughs> so for, for when we go out on camping things, I'd take a lighter with me because it was a whole lot easier. <laughs> Next time he did that, I just went, oh, I can do that too. But I didn't have that gifting, but one of my board members did. And that was his heart. And when he took off in that, the first couple of years, we only had about 10 kids. But by our third year, we had like 53 kids. When you do what God's asking you to do and you do it well to the best of your ability, God can flourish it. He can bless it. So don't be jealous of other people. Don't get into rivalry. Well, look at me. I'm better than them. No, we're a part of a body of Christ. We're to work together to build up the body of Christ. The final one is selfish ambition. Selfish ambition is a serious thing, and it happens a lot in ministry too. If I can only make it to the top, if I can only do this, guys, it's not about us. It's about Him. So those were some of the false motives. Some of them were preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry. But others preached out of goodwill. Some preached out of good motives. That motive, he says, look at right here, verse 16. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. So when we preach Christ, are we preaching out of love? Are we preaching to make ourselves look better? Or are we preaching out of love? Listen, what, let me tell you something that should motivate you about preaching Christ out of love. That everybody that you preach to that doesn't know Jesus is headed for eternity without God. Love should be the motivator. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about that. In fact, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Where do gifts come from within the body of Christ? They come from Christ. Every good, and get, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, Ephesians 4.11, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. There are different kinds of gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, but the same Spirit distributes them. Am I going through these too quick? I apologize. Did you guys get all those? I've been told don't speed up too quick. I get a little, uh, little excited sometimes. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So all the things that we do are because of God. And Paul is saying when we preach, preach out of love. In fact, here's the interesting. Chapter 12, Paul speaks of the giftings. Chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians, he speaks of the motive behind your giftings. You can have all the great gifts in the world, but if you have not love then it's a resounding gong. If you're not walking in the love of Christ, then your gifts are ill void. I guess that's a word, I, that's a new word you, I came up with today. Neil and void, how's that sound? Does that sound better? Listen, everything we should do should be out of the motive of love. I love those people so they want them to know Jesus so they don't go to hell.
Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We all have to give an account to the Lord one day for what he has entrusted to us. If you're born again, you will not, I've shared this before, you will not go before the great white throne judgment. That's at the end of the millennial reign of Christ. And that's for all throughout eternity that didn't serve Jesus and are in hell. Along with Satan and his demons and the false prophet and the Antichrist, they're going to be thrown into what we call the lake of fire. Do you know hell's a holding place for the lake of fire? Yeah. It says where the fire will never cease and the worm will never cease. The fire will never be quenched and the worm will never cease. Whew. That should motivate you to know Jesus today. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look with me in verses 10 through 15. I don't know if I put it up there. Here it is. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Did you get that? If you're not born again this morning, it doesn't matter what you do. You're not getting into heaven. Jesus needs to be the foundation of your life. If anyone builds on that, this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be, it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what he has built, been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved as even though only as one escaping through the flames. So we will be judged. We call that the Bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. And you and I are going to be judged on our motives. We're going to be judged on what we did for Jesus. Not on your sin because it's under the blood. But one day all of us are going to stand before Christ and give an account. And he's going to judge the work that you and I do. Did we do it for Christ or did we do it for ourselves? When I pray in here in the morning, God, let this be your glory. Let your name be lifted up, not my name. Let your name be lifted up, not our names. Because if we have the right motive, we're going to receive a good reward. If we do things for man's praise, there's our reward. Jesus said that, didn't he? But the things that we do in secret, we're going to be rewarded for. I think some of my greatest rewards are the things that nobody sees. I'm serious. The things that nobody notices, are the, I think, are the biggest rewards. We're going to get to heaven and think, oh, great. And then God's going to like, no, not that thing. That got burned up. Really? That was really good. Yeah, but let me show you the motives. Right? And then he's going to say, remember this person over here? You helped him walk across the street? Oh, now that one's... See, in our thinking, we have a different thinking than God does. Yeah. God looks at things differently than we do. Remember when David got chose, chosen to be king? I know this is not in the message this morning, but I have to share this. Remember? Samuel goes up. He goes to anoint a new king. Saul's been rejected by God. And he goes up and he sees Eliab, strong, built, handsome guy, a warrior, and Samuel's first impression, man, this is it. This is the guy. And what does God say? Nope, that's not him. For man does not look at what God looks at. God looks at the heart. And they go all the way down the row. And finally Samuel goes, don't you have any more sons? And finally, if you know anything about a sheep herder, 
to, do, to, to, to take care of the sheep was the worst job you could have in the family. Basically, you were ostracized. They looked at you as the nobody in the family. And Samuel goes, the David's dad, Jesse, goes, yeah, there is one. He's out tending the sheep, right? Yeah, I've got that one. He's out taking the trash out to the curb. I'm just using our modern day thinking on this. And what happens? He comes up and God says, that's him. Because David had a heart after God. Do you have a heart after God? Again, we're going to be judged at the Bema Seat of Christ for everything that we do for the Lord. Boy, I didn't realize we were getting that far along. Well, next week we're going to look at Paul's aim was to glorify Christ. It's 12 o'clock. I want to share something with you this morning. That goes for all of us. Today is a day that we need to check our motives. Why do we do what we do? And even with our families, God, how do we act at home? How do we act around other people? You know, it's when the rubber meets the road. It's usually not when we're out in public, it's at home. So me included in there, God, would you work on our hearts this morning? With every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning. Are you saved? I don't know your life. I don't know you. I don't know you like God knows you. Only you can answer that question. One day we're going to have to give an account not only to God for what we've done for him, but if you're not saved this morning, you're going to have to give an account for everything you did bad. And it says in the scripture that there are books that God has. But once you come to Christ, he wipes that clean. There is no other way to get to heaven but through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except through him. You can't get there by doing good works. As one gentleman said this morning, you can't do it by your mom's salvation or the decision she's made. It has to be your own. You have to make Christ your own. You have to surrender to him. Going to church won't save you. Knowing about Jesus won't save you. Having family members or growing up in church won't save you. It has to be that you know Jesus personally. Are you here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I'm not sure. Well, the Bible says you can be sure of your salvation. You would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure and I want to be sure. I want to go to heaven when I die. Is that you this morning? Would you just raise your hand? Anybody here this morning? Everybody's saved this morning. Thank you. Anybody else? Everybody, everybody... Okay, are you here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm going through some difficulties in my life and I needed to know that God loves me and God's going to get me through this and he's upholding me with his right hand and he's going to help me get not only through this, but there's going to be victory on the other side and God wants to use you and you needed to know that God will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with you. Would you just raise your hand? Are you here this morning? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? I want to pray for you this morning. Father God, you know who those people are. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would be with them. God, that you would give them strength. Remind them today about what you already told them in the service, that you not only love them, but you have a plan and a purpose for them. Even through this difficult time, even through this circumstance, God, you can make all things work out for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. So I pray right now in the name of Jesus for your supernatural strength in their life. Like what we've prayed about this morning.
that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk out of here encouraged and strengthened. Father, I pray for every single one of us here today. The Lord, that we would have divine appointments as we walk out these doors. That you would help us to share the gospel with other people. That we would also not only share the gospel, but be just your hands and feet to help those that are thirsty. Give somebody a ride that needs a ride. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Guys, I love you. If you need prayer, I'm here to pray with you. Have a blessed day. Don't forget, we have a meeting afterwards for those who want to help with the trunk or treat. God bless you. Have a great week. And we'll see you here tonight, 6 p.m. God bless you. Bye-bye.